listening. Um, we're going to be continuing today uh, a series we just started about wells, about digging the wells in our lives. And remember last time we talked about prayer and how a well is a source of life and refreshing for our lives. And so the first one we started with was prayer, and today we're going to be talking about the Word of God, which you'll see up there in a second. I got a question for you before I really get started, though. Uh, Believe it or not, today is the last day of January 2021. We are actually done the first month of 2021. Can't believe we did that. Congratulations, everybody. And so I have a question for you. How did your resolutions go? Anybody have any? Um, Maybe you didn't make them, but it's okay if they don't last because I think that's what resolutions are for. They're for breaking, right? I don't think there's any better bag of chips than the bag of chips you use to break your resolution. That's the tastiest (laughs) bag of chips you have all year long or whatever it may be, okay? Uh, But actually, one of the resolutions a lot of people make is to read the Bible. You ever see that one? A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. And that's definitely a good one. Um, And, you know, some people say, I'm going to read the Bible every day. They go from not reading it to wanting to read the Bible every day. And sometimes it's a bit like people who say they're going to work out every day, right? It's a bit of a jump, but it's okay. The hunger and the motivation is very good. And uh, so today what we're going to do is kind of explore that motivation, explore that experience and the Word of God and how it is a source of life and refreshing in your life. And so first, I want to just qualify something, especially if you're newer to the church. When we say Word of God, we actually mean the Bible. Okay, that's what Christians are talking about when they say the word of God. Uh, There are things that God says and there are things that God does in the present. But when we say the word of God, we mean the Bible. Okay, Um, so often when you hear people talk about the Bible, they say, oh, well, it's just a it's a book that was written 2000 years ago. Of course, that's a bit of a lazy criticism, uh, because in fact, it's actually a series of 66 collections of writings, not books, um, made up over thousands of years, uh, all the way from the uh, Jewish patriarchs all the way through to uh, John writing the book of Revelation sometime uh, before the end of the first century. And so uh, the thing about the Bible, too, is it's not just one book that's written A to Z like a normal book. Um, It includes historical documents, uh, hymns, songs, prayers, proverbs, parables, uh, letters, um, poetry, uh, prophecies, all written uh, by di- a few di- different people and uh, from all different sort of areas of life. And some people were historians, some people were preachers, some people were leaders, some people were prophets. It's very all over the place. And uh, those books all together make up what we call the Bible. Okay, and now I'm going to go into a bit of history. And again, I promised you in 2021, we're not just going to brush over hard stuff or stuff that's hard to understand. So it's important to understand that what we know as the Bible today in Protestant churches, okay, this Bible, or if you have it on your phone or whatever, is made up of a group of uh, documents that were put together, roughly finalized. Does anybody here know roughly when? No, this version roughly, okay, you know, the first time that this sort of collection came together minus a few was somewhere near the year 200, and then somewhere in the year 300 to 400, they finalized all this. All the Christian churches would get together in these things called councils, and they would build a canon, okay? So when you hear Christians talk about canon, we don't mean the like canon that shoots. Uh, the canon of Scripture is this, and now... I'm, forgive me as some of the older folks, but I need the young people to understand this. So to understand canon, I need you to think about two things you all know about, Star Wars and Marvel. 
Okay, it'll help you understand because that's what people understand. When we say, for example, that a Star Wars story is part of canon, it means that whatever happened in that cartoon or movie or show is considered by the people who run Star Wars, which is now Disney, to be true in the history of Star Wars. Okay, same thing with Marvel. If somebody does something, there might be some shows that they do that aren't considered canon. Doesn't meet whatever. So what happens in that show has no effect on everything else. But as we know, uh, there's a man named Kevin Feige. He runs the whole thing. If he says that what happened in that story is true, then all the other stories are affected by it. This idea of canonization, canon, comes from this idea that people, the bishops, the leaders of the churches, we could even call them apostles, would be getting together after the apostles had died and were gathering all their writings and saying, which ones are real, which ones are authoritative, which ones were from them. And so you'll actually tr see that uh, many disagreements would take place at these times over what should be involved and what shouldn't. So much so that even today, uh, the Catholic Church have additional uh, books in their Bible called the Apocrypha, okay, which the Protestant Church says do not belong, and in fact the, council, the councils as well decided do not belong. So there's some disagreement. It's important to understand that. Okay? But in Protestant churches, we take this idea that the Bible okay, is made up of all these writings that we talked about, and it is what we call the Word of God. And uh, the Bible clearly has had a massive influence on not just literature, but history itself, okay? especially in what we call the Western world. All right? uh, the Gutenberg Bible, if you go Google Gutenberg Bible, it was the first book printed on movable type press. Okay, I guess if you're going to write something, you might as well write the Bible. Okay, um, according to the Time, this is all on Wikipedia, by the way, a March 2007 edition of Time magazine, it said the Bible has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any other book ever written. If its influence on world history is unparalleled and shows no sign of abating, it's a fancy way of saying it shows no sign of slowing down. With an estimated total sales of 5 billion copies, it is the best-selling book of all time, and roughly in the 2000s, sells at least 100 million copies annually. So the Bible has a lot of influence. Regardless of what you think about it, whether you believe it or not, or believe what's in it should be in it or whatever, it has massive influence, cannot be denied um, that it really does. Now, sounds fantastic, sounds big, but the real question today is not what does the world say the Bible is, or what does the church say the Bible is? The question before us today when we're talking about digging the well of the Word of God is, what do you say the Bible is? What is the Bible for you, and what do you do with it? Is the Bible a useful set of instructions for living morally? Is it just nonsense made up to control people? That's what you hear most in the West today. Is it partly inspired by God, but tainted by human influence, so some things in it are true and some things are exaggerations and some things aren't meant to be? Or is it the divinely inspired, infallible word of God to mankind? Infallible means no mistakes. Okay? So you can be at any one of those places or somewhere in between or some other place I didn't understand and still read the Bible. Now, if you're a Christian today or somebody who's starting to look into it or you're interested or you're curious, I invite you to consider the following idea. The foundational truth of Jesus goes like this. If Jesus is not who he said he was, 
it can't make him just a good guy. Because he said he was God, he said he was salvation. So he's either what he said he was, or he's, as the famous saying goes, he's a liar or he's a lunatic. He's cuckoo or he lied to us. Okay, he's one of those three things. And of course, we teach he is who he said he was. In the same way, the Bible is either as it claims itself to be, the divinely inspired word to God, or it's just a bunch of writing that can be interpreted however you want to interpret it. Okay? Sure, there might be some good moral stories here and there, but we have to realize this one thing. Excuse me. If there's a, if there's a God, and these are the writings that he shared with man, humanity, then we need to pay attention to what it says and figure out what it means. Not what it means for that person over there or what you heard that person say, or even what you hear me saying now, because I'm going to... I'm going to uh, reveal the big secret early on in my sermon. My entire encouragement to you is to read the Bible for yourself and to have God speak to you through it. I can talk to you for three hours to explain you, uh, but I'm not here to convince you the Bible is good. I'm not here to convince you the Bible is right. I'm not here to convince you that the Bible is for you. All those things are true whether I say it or not. My influence over those facts has zero effect. So I'm encouraging you to go read it for yourself. So first, I'm going to give you, we're going to start with a warning. Reading the Bible will challenge you in many different ways. It'll challenge a lot of assumptions you have. It'll challenge your beliefs, even if you're a Christian. It'll make you uncomfortable. It'll bring up questions, and all of this is good. So we're going to look at the first scripture here. I've preached on this scripture here before, but it's worth going back to. So Mark, if you put that one up there from Hebrews, it says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. From Hebrews 4.12. Oof. Okay, now, I'm going to do a little bit of a lesson here, okay? This is going to be true for a couple of things we look at. This is being written by the writer to Hebrews. And this person says, this is what the word of God is like. Now, if he's writing what will become the book of Hebrews, is he talking about what he's writing? Technically, no. At the moment, he is writing a message to Jews. So when he says the word of God, he is talking about the collection of books that we call the Old Testament. The Old Testament that we call was already canonized by this time. What the way we have it built was already done, built like that by the Jews by that time. And so this writer was saying the word of God. He was referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Samuel, all the prophets, all that. That's what he's referring to. Okay? So now, Bible students, we have to ask ourselves, does that mean then I can only say that this is true about... Oh, can you go back to the Hebrews one? This is Timothy, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the, can, we go, can we then say that can we not say that Hebrews and all the Holy New Testament counts as well for this? Okay, This is where we have to become good students of theology and understanding uh, the nature of God and the nature of the Bible. So when the writer of the Hebrews was writing this, I don't believe he knew that this for sure would become part of what we call the Word of God in the future church. But there is nothing wrong in saying that the New Testament, by virtue of the apostolic leadership of the councils, not the original apostles just, but the apostolic leadership of the apostles, prophets, apostles that came afterwards, 
brought the New Testament into canonization, into the Bible, into the Word of God, based on the authority of the words of the apostles, the people who wrote it, and what it said. Okay, so we include the New Testament. Okay, it's a good lesson. So now, for the Word of God is alive and active. This is why I'm warning you. The Word of God is alive. It is not some dead book, some dead stories. Because what happens, you're going to start opening it, and it's going to start speaking into your situations live. You might say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about this. The Bible doesn't understand 21st century problems. Again, my encouragement is go ahead and read it and see what happens. Go ahead and see how much the Word of God speaks to you because it's alive and active. It's not dead. It's breathed and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. It will find a point. It will find. It will hit home. Okay? Sharper than any double-edged sword. I talk about this a lot. Again, I'm going to just remind you as a modern audience, a sharp, a double-edged sword is a sword that cuts on both ends. That was meant very offensive weapon. Some ancient swords, you see, would be blunt on one side for knocking down your enemy, and the other side would be hard for, cop, for cutting them. This is a sword that's sharp on both sides. No matter what happens, somebody's getting cut. And it's sharper than any sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. So we got it. Okay, Bible students, let's take another moment here to talk about this. What do you mean soul and spirit? Aren't they the same thing? No. Okay? Biblically, they are not the same thing. So essentially, each of us is three things. Body, soul, spirit. Okay? Body is that which you can touch, that which you can feel. The soul is like the seats of your emotions, your will, your motivations. Okay? And your spirit is that which connects you to God. Okay, And so the Word of God comes and it slits. It says it cuts between your motivation, your will, and your emotions and your connections to God. It makes sure that your will, your motivations, and your emotions aren't dominating your connection to God. It's making sure that it stays clean. Okay, So, so the, biblical, sorry, the physical example he uses that it, it splits joints and marrow, that's bone. So it's basically saying it cuts through the bone. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You say, well, why are you starting so hard? It's not a bad thing. Because when the Bible does this, God the Holy Spirit does it with surgical precision. God doesn't hack at you. He doesn't mash you up. But when there's something that God wants to say to us, it comes and it cuts through like a knife, a hot knife through butter. It comes and it hits home and it hits its point and it helps and it heals you. And as any person will tell you, if you do get a nice clean cut, and then it comes out, it heals nicely. Okay? Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need a wake-up call. Sometimes we need God to speak to us, and God speaks to us. I'm sure there's people hearing me, people here, who have had circumstances where you picked up the Word of God, and you read it, and you're like, whoa, and it speaks to you. So I want to do a sidebar for a second. I want to speak to parents, and I want to speak to young people. And by young people, I mean anybody younger than me. Okay? I want you to really read the Bible. Read all of it. And when there are parts that are hard to understand, are parts that hurt you or make you confused, don't just sweep it under a rug. Parents, if your kid comes to you with a question about something that's hard to understand or seems difficult or seems confusing, don't just say, ah, trust God. Don't do that to kids. Because in the world, they are being faced with all those questions. Those gotcha issues, those gotcha questions. People are going to come at them. How come God did this? And how come God allowed that? And how come this? Don't hide from them. Face them. Speak to them and talk to them. Young people, read the whole thing. There's a whole book about being sad in the Bible. It's called Lamentations. Read it. 
You know why? Because one day you're going to be sad. And it might help you. There's a whole book about wise sayings. Read it. Why? Because there's a lot of wise sayings. There's a whole prophecy about a country named Edom. Do you know anything about Edom? No, neither did I before I read it. Now I do. Okay? Read it all so that you get the, what the Bible, what we call in the whole counsel, the whole idea of what the Bible is saying. Because what you discover is when you read the Bible from end to end, you realize it's telling the same story about the redemption and salvation of mankind. From Genesis 1, when it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters and God spoke creation into being, what does the Bible tell us later on? Who spoke those words out to creation? Does anybody know out there at home, anybody here, who spoke those words? It says it was Jesus that spoke it into creation, right from beginning to end. And the Bible ends with the prophets, with the apostles saying, come, Lord Jesus. So it's Jesus in verse 1, and it's Jesus in verse last. And when you begin to read the whole thing, don't run from hard things. Don't run from the crazy things that seem you're not normal. Why is this person killing that person? And why is that happening over here? And why would, don't hide from them. Speak to people. We'll get to that in a second. Okay? I know people here, there are people here that would love to discuss the Bible with you for hours. Don't be afraid to ask questions. So reasons, why would we read the Bible, okay? People say things like, what is God's will for my life? Well, there's no Bible verse that says, the will for your life is X, okay? What job to have, who to marry. But overall, the Bible is encouraging and lessons and teachings help us understand a view into how God would want us to live our lives. Okay, now we can go to this one. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Again, this is a New Testament verse that is referring to what we call the Old Testament, but we now understand by canonization, we can apply it even to this verse itself, that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching us. And you know that word rebuking? I, I just want to be clear. Again, we talked about it already. Rebuking means, hey, get away from me, or hey, don't do that. It's good for that sometimes. Not, by the way, listen to what it's saying. It's not about you rebuking other people. It's the Word of God rebuking you. <laughs> okay? Get clear. Don't be so worried about using it to rebuke other people. Listen to when it rebukes you and the, maybe the motivations that we have in our lives that aren't right. Correcting and training. So it's like working out. Okay? We read in Jesus' example how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread, which is a, not just a metaphor. He literally means your bread, your daily bread, which you eat. But later when we get to a verse we're going to cover for a minute, we understand that Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in the same sense, it's like our daily nourishment. Reading the word of God and praying, of course, tied with it, is our daily nourishment. Imagine you go a day without eating, and then a week without eating, a month, and so on. You realize how much you'd get weak, right? Well, in the same way, when we don't read the word of God, we become weaker, spiritually speaking. Actually, and I would say physically speaking. How do we know how important when Jesus used those words, man shall not live by bread alone? But he used those words to confront Satan. That's how important it is that we understand that the word of God is the bread of God. So if we want to gain life and nourishment for our spirit, it's important to spend time with his word. Okay, so reading the Bible gives us a right mind. Okay? Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between right and wrong, good and bad. 
what we think is right or wrong or good and bad can often be changed by how we feel about things. Our opinion, our emotion, what we think is right. But we talked about that two-edged sword that cuts between our what? Our soul and our spirit. The soul is the, what I like. What are my emotions? And God comes through and says, no, no, this is how I see this situation. So we might be looking at something and want to make a judgment call, but the, the, the Bible will help us say, hey, hold on a second. You might be looking at this wrong. I want you to look at this from God's perspective and then say, oh, I understand. And now I have to align my soul with God's direction. God speaks to my spirit and my soul needs to align to it. So further to that, as we talked about in... Uh, in Timothy, uh, re, uh, the Bible instructs us uh, in right living, okay? But David said in the Psalms, how can a young man cleanse his way? How does a young man live right? In Psalm 119, it's not one there, it's not a slide, but it says, by taking, by taking heed according to your word, by listening to your word. It's not complicated. So if you're a young man listening to me and say, well, how do I get my life right? Listen to the word. But sometimes people want to hear a thousand other things other than that. But that's the answer. It contains all these words and examples. Think about it. It's examples of prophets and apostles and teachers and you know, well-known people. Uh, Moses and Abraham and David and Solomon and Paul and Peter. And, you know, and then for your ladies, you've know, you got, you got Hannah and Mary and all those other folks. And Jesus, ultimately. Right? So what better teaching than Jesus? Reading the Bible has power. We just talked about that Jesus used the word of God to fight off Satan. Okay? So we say, wow, I feel like I'm under attack of the enemy. I don't know what to do. Well, how about you just copy what Jesus did? Jesus used the Bible. What he had, he had the Old Testament scriptures, what we call Old Testament, and he used it. And guess what happened? The devil lost. You know, well, I, I think I need to fast and pray for a week, and I need to go this, and I need to do that, and I need to do that. And I was like, how about you just do one sentence like Jesus did? And Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, every time the devil tried to trick him, and then the devil got smart, because the devil's going to do this to you, too. Do you know what he did? After a couple of times, the devil wised up, and he said, the devil used Scripture, used the Word of God, to try and argue with the Word of God. That's why Jesus came back. The devil says to him, oh, he's using the Bible? Okay, the de- well, the Bible says that God won't allow one of his uh, anointed ones to be harmed. So throw yourself from this cliff, and then you'll be saved, right? Because that's, that's what the Word of God says. And then Jesus came back and says, yes, and the Word of God also says, don't tempt the Lord your God. You see, this can happen in your life. A teacher will come, someone like myself, other people will come, and even use Scripture and try to say, well, come on, the Scripture says this. Taking it out of context, pulling out of where it belongs, taking it out of its setting, and then trying to use it, then you have to understand, if you know the whole counsel of Scripture, if you've been reading it, you're able to say, hang on, yeah, true, the Word does say that, but it also says this. What you did was take it out of context and try to misuse the Word of God, but because I know it, I'm able to understand it apply it properly. So it has power. The Bible has a ton of promises too. I mean, promise after promise after promise. I was going to make a list. It was too long. There's so many promises in the Bible. So as you're reading through, you'll see all the promises of God that are true for you and for me. Okay, so let's address the five most common reasons people give for not reading God's Word on a regular basis. Okay, for not reading the Bible on a regular basis. These are pretty uh, common, okay? But we just want to go through them and understand uh, 
that the pandemic has changed a lot of things, but still hear these. Okay, number one, the classic one, right? I think I got a list there. If you could put it up there. Number one is time. I don't have the time. Now, during the pandemic, that is probably one of the worst excuses, right? But still, uh, people, I'm busy. I have kids. I have a job. I have life, whatever. I, I get it. I understand. Those type of things can be uh, true. But the truth is, everybody on earth is given 24 hours. Everybody. There's no special exception to that. All of us. Okay? And now, I understand, I, you know, some of you have to work two jobs and you're taking care of kids. Listen, I understand. I still encourage you to try to find time to um, find time for the Word of God as much as you can. But I don't want to, in my job life, I don't manage by exception. And what I might mean by that is, you know, you might have 300 employees and one has an exception. You don't make your whole company go to that one. So I'm not, the truth is, most of everybody listening to my voice right now watches Netflix. Okay, so take that time that you watch Netflix and replace it with the Word of God if you're not reading the Word of God, right? It's that simple. We can't get fancy, oh, I've got this, and what about this exception? What about that exception? Sure, there's always going to be exceptions. The, tr- the truth is 99% of us have time. It's just what we're doing with the time, right? Here's another one. You hear this from young people, too, sometimes. It's boring. Okay, okay. All I can say is, if you found it boring, there's maybe what you're reading, where you're reading it. Maybe you have an older version of English that you're having trouble to understand. Because, I mean, the Bible's got uh, war, supernatural events, healings, miracles, people rising from the dead, conflict. You know, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like, it sounds like Netflix. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. There's tons of amazing things in there. Um, I'm not sure what you're reading. If you're bored by it, I, I guess, I don't know. I can't even understand that. And I encourage you to just go back and try again. It's really not that boring. Okay, number three. This is an understandable one. Understanding. I can't understand it. Okay, sure. First of all, I just mentioned it all already. I highly encourage you, read the Bible in your native language, whatever that is. Also read it in English or French if you're not English or French. If you're English, read in English. If you're French, read it in French. You can read it and vice versa, but it does help to read it in a language you really understand. Now, we'll talk about translations. Anybody who's out there knows there's the Bible available in a lot of different translations. There are some that are good. There are some that are terrible. But please, especially if you're trying to read, even if you're English and you think you can read the King James Version, okay, but... It's, it's got an old way of language. It's very hard to understand, even for a modern English person. And I really do encourage you to find something that you can understand read, readily readable. Okay? Uh, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. There are textbooks, if, I, if you don't know about it, and you pick it up, and you could read it and not understand a whole paragraph. Right? But somebody who understands the science will read it and know. Right? But then you give that science person a business textbook about economics, and then they would take that and maybe not understand that paragraph because that's not what they're trained in. The Bible shouldn't be like that. Okay? The Bible is quite easy to understand. Now, if there are times where you don't understand a concept or why something happened, we're going to get there in a second. Okay? So it can be intimidating. I get it. Okay? But we already talked, we're going to talk about this later. Don't forget to always pray, too, before you say, God, just speak to me. Help me to understand what I'm doing here. Okay, number four, relevance. This is another one I find particularly troublesome to deal with when people tell me this. They say, it's not relevant to my life. Okay, it was made so long ago. 
I kind of already addressed this right at the beginning, but I think you will find that if you truly do read the Bible, you will see that even though it was written a long time ago, it applies very much to what we're going through today in a million different ways. I encourage you to try and look for those moments of relevance. Uh, even stories that they tell that are about farming or about sheep or whatever, because that's how they live. If you understand the allegory in it, for example, you can see how it is relevant to what you're going through. And finally, uh, the attitude, I called it application, but the attitude of like, well, I don't get, I don't get anything out of it. I just read the Bible for an hour, I don't get anything out of it. Okay, you know, um, I think some of that may have to do, if I can suggest, that may have to do a little bit with motivation and application. If you're reading the Bible with an open heart and an open mind, I really do believe it always has an impact. It'll always hit home. But the biggest thing, the challenge that I always have for reading the Word of God, and I encourage you to think about maybe happening with you as well, is when I read the Bible, it speaks to me about what I need to do. Not about Susie or Johnny or that country or that person or that thing or that whatever. It's always speaking to me. And so the challenge in me, the, my soul, my flesh rises up and says, whoa, because it's challenging me to change or to help or to be different or to whatever. It's not so much about other people. And so maybe the real, the real question is, are we applying what we're reading? And maybe that's why we're finding it like that. Okay, so I'm grateful to somebody named Katie Orr. I don't know who she is. She works for LifeWay Voices. And she came up with some, some, some tips and some suggestions to help you as you read. So I'll, I wrote down her suggestions and I'll add a little bit. Okay, so let's start with the next list. Nine tips to unblocking the well of reading the Word of God. Okay, nine tips to help you read the Bible. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm going to start before I get into this to explain one thing. You'll notice up here I have a written Bible, and I have a Bible, I don't know if all of you, I have a Bible on my phone, okay? And I got a Bible on my iPad, and I got whatever on my watch, got the Bible, okay? Great, but I will heartily suggest, especially for those of you who are younger, it's great to have digital Bibles. I'm a big supporter of version and digital, but you need to have a paper Bible, okay? And we're going to talk about why in a second. You need to have a paper Bible, um, if you're anything like our house, we have way too many paper Bibles. But uh, you have to have a lot, you have to have a paper Bible, at least one, okay, to help you in a version that you understand. And I will say this completely sincerely. If you want a paper Bible, but you find yourself, you're unable to afford one, or you can't whatever, please, please let the church know. Don't worry, there's no shame in it. Let us know. We will buy you one. It's very important you have one that you can use, you can touch, and you can write in, and so on, for yourself. Okay? Very, very important. There's just a difference between, anybody knows that, right? The book is always better than the movie, right? Always. In the same way that reading the book is, is better sometimes than just looking at a screen and whatever. I realize you younger folks, you've grown up with screens, it's, it's not different for you and so on and so forth and you're very, I don't know, you guys hardly have to read books anymore. There's something very special about it so I would encourage you to please get a book. It, the book is not wholly, um, you know, um, the book itself I mean, the physical book is not holy. You don't have to treat it like it's, uh, you know, a sacred object, but you all should have a Bible, okay? All right, number one, she tells us to pray. Perfect, this is great. Like I just said, everybody should always say, God, I need your help, I need your guidance. Help me to see what you're saying to me in this. I want to just clarify that again. God, help me to hear what you're saying to me. Sometimes we approach, again, our motivation, we approach the Bible, tell me, what are you saying to the nations, Lord? Leave the nations to God. 
Ask God, what are you saying to me? Help me to see what you're saying. Help me to understand in my situation what you would say to me, God. Okay? Okay, this is a good one. She calls it big picture thinking. or She says zoom out and get the big picture. This is important. Uh, or another way of saying it is context is king. Okay? It's very important to understand what's going on around a verse. The most, one of the verses taken the most out of context in the world today is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Almost every athlete who's a Christian has that on their shoes or their shorts or has a tattoo of it. Okay, fine. There's no real harm in it, but actually it's completely taken out of context. Okay? Another one would be Jeremiah, right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans to prosper, right? And, and we think, oh yeah, again, com- removed completely from its context. Okay? And so it's important that you understand what the Bible is saying in the context of time, place, person. You know the who, what, when, where, and why? And this is a tip I have. This is not in there, but of studying the Bible. When I was in Bible college, this is what they taught us. You take your paper Bible, and every time the Bible refers to time, like 100 years ago, or five years from now, whatever, you write a little clock. You draw a little clock or a stopwatch. Anytime the Bible says a place name, you highlight it in green. Anytime the Bible says a person's name, you highlight it in blue. Anytime there's a question, you write, you write something you don't understand, you write a question mark. You see, you begin to develop a study habit to understand what's going on. Earlier I mentioned about a prophet prophesying over the country of Edom. Right? Know what the best thing you can do? Go to Google Maps and type in Bible Maps. And start looking, where are they, why are they talking about this? With the children of Israel, when they're walking through, where are they going? What's going on? And it, it helps you build a bigger understanding of what God is doing. You begin to go, oh my gosh, that's there. Oh my goodness, that's over there. And you begin to understand, you know, when you see places like the Bible that talks about Corinthians and Ephesians and whatever, and, and you're like, well, you know, what, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about Turkey, the country we call Turkey. That's what, they're all there now. It's not some mystical place. You know, Antioch, what are you talking about? That's in Syria. You know, the country we all talk about. It's there, you know, like, gives you understanding, helps you put the pieces together. Okay, number three, ask the right questions. It's not inherently wrong to answer questions of the Bible, but in what, as I talked about before, is to look at what is God saying here, okay, is really the big question. But don't, before I said you ask God what you're saying to me, but be careful not to center yourself in the story. If God is teaching Peter a lesson in this particular passage, don't automatically make yourself Peter, okay? Don't center yourself. Say, what is God saying to all of us through what he taught Peter? You know? Example, okay? That's what she means by asking the right question. Okay, next one. Contact a friend. I cannot tell you how important this is. I caught you know, phone, text, email, whatever. You have something to go, hey. And by the way, I want to say how normal this is. I have a group of friends. We will constantly text each other about stuff like this. You know, hey, I was reading this thing, or look at this picture I saw, or look at this link I saw, or look at whatever, right? If you're not sure about something, if you have a question about something, or say, hey, have you read that passage before where such and such happens? Why? What do you think about that? I got preacher friends that will preach me before they're going to preach, and they'll go, look, I'm about to preach on this thing, and all of a sudden I feel not so sure. What, what's your take on, you know, why this happened and that happened, you know? And then you get to talk about it. Now, I will give you one little, maybe, warning. Uh, pick the right friend. 
Asking your friend who's not reading the Bible about what they think about what's in the Bible, probably not so much help. Okay? So just find somebody you know who's serious about the Word of God and studying the Word of God and talk to them. Um, I will say this. I mean this very sincerely. I, uh, there's not a lot of help online. Please be careful about Googling, like, you know, why did Paul do such and such into Google? <laughs> because you're going to get 100 million results from 100 different million people, from unbelievers, from believers, from believers who are crazy, from believers who are sane. You're going to get all sorts of different ideas. And just be careful about doing that. Things like Facebook groups and... Um, Twitter and, and all that. It can be really wild out there in the universe. And uh, just be careful about who you're seeking your counsel from. Okay, so t- speaking of counsel, uh, re- it says find supporting information. She talks about finding a commentary or listening to a sermon on it. Again, I am going to say this with a bit of an asterisk. For those of you who don't know, commentaries are books written by mostly theologians and preachers commenting on what the Bible says. So they'll read a passage and say, here, some of them are very uh, theological and studious and be like, the Greek means this and that means that. So that means other people just say, here, I think God is saying this and blah, blah, blah. There's some helpful ones out there, probably online. The most free, the free, the the one that's free and most useful is uh, Matthew Henry's uh, commentary and so on. Maybe a bit outdated, but there's other really good ones out there. Uh, Again, seek counsel about which ones are good, please. there's also things called concordances. Okay, if you don't have one, you actually, now they're all online. You don't even have to have a book one, but concordances. What that concordance will do is tell you, like, you know, that verse that over there also is referring back to that verse from Isaiah. And Isaiah is talking about this over here. It helps you link things that are going on in the Bible. And in fact, there's an amazing graphic out there in the universe, which I'll post one day. I have it saved on my phone. Of all the verse linkages, in the Bible, it's a graphic, a color graphic, and it's just, it's amazing, okay? Uh, you might listen to a sermon by somebody on that. Again, with my warning of, like, be careful who you're listening to uh, about that, okay? Okay, so now, I will say one thing about this before we go to the next, uh, this next one. My next one is, I invented this one. This was not from our friend Katie Orr. Avoid sidetracks. So it's sort of what I'm getting on the track of. Uh, the Bible is grand. It is the word of God, and it can be mysterious in one sense, but it's not a code to be cracked. Do not look for what's not there. Don't look for hidden messages or something undiscovered. Anybody that claims they have found a message in 21, what year is it? 2021, that nobody in all of church history has found yet is a liar. Okay? It's not happening. It keeps, every five, ten years, somebody writes a book, and then we all buy it, not we, but generally, as if, you remember, what was it, was it late 90s was Bible code? When was that? Late 90s, probably? Some guy claims to have found that if you look at every 27th letter in the Hebrew, blah, 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 and it, it spells out Hitler. and what, It's all garbage, okay? So don't, do whatever. Somebody takes one verse, writes a whole book on it, puts it on a mug and a t-shirt, and everybody's buying it. Don't fall for that, Okay? This, the, the, yes, the Bible, there's some things that might be new to you or even new to the group of people you're with, but it's not new, okay? And the, Jesus taught the whole counsel of God. The apostles taught the whole counsel of God. And there's not something hidden or, or hidden meaning or, oh, you see that verse, that verse means that look what happened in Russia and look what happened in Iraq and look what happened. Stop, okay? That's not a thing. 
Okay? God has not and will not reveal something to anyone which he has previously not made clear in his word. Okay, we're a prophetic church. We believe in prophecy. And Pastor Armin will back me up here. He's been prophesying since he was in his 20s. God's not going to prophesy something that cannot be backed up by the word of God. Okay, just remember that. Okay, move on. Invested resources. So we talked about this. I talked about concordances, commentaries, online. Resources is also people. Make sure. Now, I realize those things cost money, and so there's ways of sharing things and so on, if, 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 if maybe that's a problem. But there's so many fabulous ones online. Just be careful. My recommendations are BibleHub.com, BibleGateway.com, and, uh, my goodness, I'm, for, I'm blanking on the last one. Thank you, you version. <laughs> okay, those are my three uh, recommended ones that I think are solid and will lead you in the right direction. Number, whatever it is now, keep going. Don't give up. I mentioned the book of Lamentations before. You might get stuck in Lamentations. You might be in Numbers and reading about how Shebebebeth begot Agabath and Agabath begot Shegabu and Shegabu begot Amara. And, and you might feel like, oh, what am I doing here? Keep going. Because in there you'll find a nugget. You'll read something. In fact, if I was to just tell you, what's all this begat, begat, begat? There's two things in it. One, it speaks to the faithfulness of God through the generations, that God's promises continues no matter what. Two, if you keep on following that list and you write it down on a paper, suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, it all leads to Jesus. All of it leads to Jesus. He was part of the line of Abraham. So keep going. And so number eight, remember the end goal. This is not becoming a super Bible study general man. Okay? I know the Bible. I'm better than everybody else. I'm super spiritual. Okay? Bible study is not about us. It's about him. It's about knowing God better. When you know his word, you know his word. Amen? There's a, there's a commitment to the word of God. Okay, next one. How, how are we going to dig that well? This is now from my stuff, okay? Different phases of digging the well of God. How do we dig that well? One, we read the Bible. I think we've already covered that. So how do you read the Bible? You pick it up and you read it. Okay? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever, hour, whatever you can do, read the Word of God. Sometimes it's okay to read the Word of God just to read it, just to enjoy it. Okay? Just to read and just go through, and maybe you're not capturing every word, but you're reading. That's good. Another way to dig the Word of God is to study the Word of God. So now you're not just reading it, you're studying it like you're studying for an exam. Okay? You're looking and you're going, okay, Jeremiah, okay, chapter 1, okay, the call of Jeremiah. So the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, okay, so who is this to? Jeremiah. I'm going to write that down. Oh, he was called before he was born. Wait a minute. So God can, can give you a calling before you're born? Oh, there's, think of all the implications there. And then I can think, oh, I know my dad was called in the womb as a prophet. Oh, now Jeremiah is called in the womb as a prophet. God still does that today. Oh, wow. Wait a second. If God can call people in the womb today, what does that tell me about the unborn? See all the implications that come from, I just... Folks, I didn't plan this. I opened it up knowing, and I just read the verse that I found. And now just by digging into this one, before, you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So God knows us before we're even conceived. How does that? Wow. And one verse, and we could spend hours 
discussing this. So you study, you dig in, and you pick up a concordance maybe. Maybe you pick up, there you go, there's a reference here. The Hebrew, here it says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. It says the Hebrew could also mean chose you. Like it's not clear. Oh, wow, yeah, I could see. You see? Like it just goes on and on and on. One verse picked at random. We could, I could talk for the rest of today about this one verse. Okay, and all the implications it has. So two, three, excuse me, brings us to memorize. Remember, one of the things I encouraged you this year is to memorize. We're going to memorize a verse at the end today. Is to memorize key scriptures in the Bible. Why? Because it gives life to your soul and brings life to your spirit. Memorization is important. In the same way that people who remember things, you know, have important things in their mind to remember, you know, uh, you might be uh, art or science or music or whatever it may be, memorizing the Word of God is a strength something that will give you strength in times of trouble and in times of need, and in times as well when you need to encourage other people, you know? It's a lot more than, imagine saying, ah, the Bible says something about helping you. Uh, trust me, the Bible says something good, uh, whatever. But when you can just recite it, and you can say the Bible does talk about how God knows the plans he has for you, the plans to prosper. I just took it out of context, right? But you can use it, right? You got something, you got to, memorize the word. Well, how do I do that? How do I memorize the word? I don't know. I said, but I think the tried and true ways of memorizing the Bible are pretty simple. There's a few ways. One, you keep on writing it. You take a verse and you write it over and over again. Or two, you read it over and over again. And three, even you can listen to it over and over again. I wouldn't even talk about audio Bibles. Okay? Listening to it over and over again. By the way, can I take a pause for a second? Young people, parents, don't tell me your kids can't understand the Bible and can't memorize the Bible. Okay? One, they can memorize the most complicated rap songs out there. Not those, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying it's fast. It's hard to understand. I can't understand what they're saying. They memorize it word for word and they do it fine. Two, they study science. They study geography. They study physics. They study chemistry. They study English. They study French. And they memorize that all fine. So they can do the same for the Bible. Don't, I, I, when they're older, they'll understand the Bible. Listen, my daughter understands things about science that I don't even know. Both my kids get better marks in school than I ever did. Don't tell me they can't do it. They can. Don't, and, and even if you're an older person thinking, oh, I'm struggling, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay, so fourth. Now, here's a good one. Meditate on the Bible. Now, I want to clarify something. Just I know... Most of us know this, but just in case you understand or you're new to the church, when, when a Christian says meditate in the Bible, we by no means, not at all, never ever mean like cross your legs and meditate. Okay? There's an Eastern religion idea of meditation, which is an emptying of oneself. Clear your mind. Be at peace. Think about nothing. Be filled with oneness or whatever. I don't know what the heck is going on. We, nope. That's not what meditate on the word of God means, okay? While there is an idea of meditation in the Christian life, I want you to think of it more as what I call the defragmentation. For those of you who don't know computers, when you defrag your hard drive, you know sometimes those of you who aren't really good at computers and the computer says, hey, you need to defragment your hard drive. It's full of a bunch of junk, okay? When you defragment your hard drive, it reorganizes, cleans up, puts everything in the right folders, in the right order, in the right way, and maximizes the capacity of your hard drive. 
So in the same way, when you're meditating on the Word of God, you're just looking. Let's say you're looking at this verse and you're saying, Lord, why do you teach me here? And you sit there and you think about it. Maybe you read over a few times. And you let the Lord arrange the pieces. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and shows you, cleans it up, puts it in the right file. And you realize, hmm, okay, meditate on it. You think upon it. You, you, you pray about it, whatever. You don't try to clear your mind. You actually try to fill your mind with the words of God. It's the complete opposite of Eastern meditation. Okay? So the Word of God will transform our minds. So this is our memory verse for the week, or two weeks. Go ahead. Okay, Romans 12, 1 to 2. This is one of the theme verses of the church. It's up the wall. For those of you who haven't been here, it is up on the wall there. It's one of the things, where we, one of the areas where we got our church name from. And here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So that's everybody. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the word of God will transform our minds so that we can know God's will. So commit with me today, first, to memorize this verse. How are you going to memorize it? Put it up on the wall in your house. Write it down, whatever. Join a small group, maybe, if you're not part of one. Go to church, maybe, if you're not going to church regularly. Online at the moment and in person when things go back to normal. Go on the online. We said, go to you version and do a Bible study. Call a friend and read a passage. Ask a question. Text them. So let's become more engrossed and more active in the Word of God, in the Bible as a church than ever before. There's... There's no limit. We started with prayer. We started with the Word of God. You can't do too much of either of those things. Right? It's not possible. So let's just go more and more and more into it. So it says, when it talks about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, I guess, I don't know, when I often read it, I see it so dramatic, you know, but maybe it just means by offering our bodies is giving the Lord time in prayer, giving the Lord time in reading the Word. So that these wells, remember we talked about the wells that we're looking to dig out in our lives and in our church are Wells bring refreshing, right? And they bring, they bring, uh, what's the other thing I said before I forget? <clears throat> they bring life. They're a source of life because it's water. They bring life and they bring refreshing. So the word of God is not something that'll bring you down. It's going to bring you life and it's going to bring, bring refreshing. I can only tell you personally as a testimony how many times just by reading the word of God, it has literally saved me, literally brought me to a place maybe where I thought things weren't going well and God completely changed it around just by opening up this word. And you might be sitting there going, I've tried, it's never worked for me before. Pray and keep on going. Pray until, what's the old thing? Push, pray until something happens. Right? So I encourage you this morning, take up your Bible. If you don't have one, please let us know so we can get you one. Get online, read the Word of God, make it something, and really, I, I mean this, work at it. Starting today, don't wait till tomorrow. Say, okay, Monday morning, Monday morning, I'm going to read. No, 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 when you get offline here now, read it. Pick, pick up the Bible, maybe. Now, yes, you can just open it randomly. Can I just suggest, maybe just start in Matthew. Starts with the story of Jesus, you know, and actually, it's a genealogy. It's talking about how Jesus uh, came to be born through his, his genealogy. So maybe just open up Matthew and just start reading, okay? And I encourage you, God will speak to you. So thank you so much again for being with us this morning. We just uh, love and love, love you all so much. Uh, we're looking forward to the day where we can all get back together. But until that day, let's pray together. Remember prayer, Saturday, 5 o'clock. That information will be online. Read the Word of God together. 
and be blessed. Thank you all so much. God bless you.